Well, this feels different. <laughs> Just a little bit. Ooh, wow. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> this is new for us and it's new for you. And we're so glad that you're here joining us on What a Movie, a Nostalgia Views podcast. I'm we we are your hosts. We are your hosts. We are your hosts. Yes. That's what I'm about to say. We are your hosts. I'm Nicole Knudsen. And I'm James Ferrero. And you might notice that due to me tripping up over the intro, because I don't usually do that, uh, this is a bit of a different episode than what you're used to getting. Uh, this is not one of our typical episodes, but this is the first in a string of episodes we're going to be doing on what a movie in, in a series entitled Flick Flops. Flick Flops. And also, happy one year anniversary to what a movie. Happy one year anniversary. I cannot believe we've been doing this for a year now. I know. It's wild. But what a blast it's been. Yes, what a blast. And we we had talked about this and it it sort of was a a, a serendipitous uh you know confluence of events of we had this idea for this sort of series of bonus episodes uh called Flick Flops, and we figured we would debut it on the show's one year anniversary. As a little gift to you, dear listener. Yes, absolutely. For any of you that have been following us and have been listening to us, for those of you that have been, you know, especially those of you who have been following us since the beginning, first of all, thank you so much. We cannot thank you enough. Thanks for sticking with us through all of this. Uh, so we have a brand new surprise for you. This was originally conceived by Nicole. The title, the idea, all of that. Honestly, the title came first. I don't know how it sprang to my mind, but flip-flops. And it was such a fun idea. She pitched it, and I loved it. Uh, but then she handed it off to me and said, you deal with it. You make it happen. I said, sure. <laughs> so I kind of like worked out some of the kinks of the ideas, got a flowchart together, and here we are. Which is, what is the point of Flick Flops? Well, the point of Flick Flops is we are going to be looking at movies that are well-renowned box office flops slash bombs. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with that term that basically means a movie that flopped at the box office a movie flops at the box office when it does not make its money back after its release comes out now that money includes the budget the marketing all of that now we have very rough numbers to know this we don't know the exact numbers because no one does because studios don't like to release that kind of information someone does they are deep deep in the vault of those production companies if the production companies still exist but we know enough about the production budgets not including marketing to know when a movie flops and when a movie doesn't. The movies we'll be looking at not only didn't make their money back, but flopped quite spectacularly to the point of sometimes causing mass catastrophe across the industry, such as the closing of an entire studio, which is the movie that we are talking about tonight. <laughs> we decided to get things started with quite the flop, a movie that for years was considered the biggest box office flop of all time, is now maybe rivaled by one movie, which we will also be talking about later on, but that is not tonight. But it goes without saying, the movie we are talking about this evening is 1995's Cutthroat Island. And uh, might I say, what a movie. <laughs> what a movie. Uh, so this is uh, this is a departure from the usual format. We have already watched this. We, in fact, have just finished watching Cutthroat Island. Um, oh, my God. And we are happy to, to to dive into this. Until, I think, last summer, I had never heard of this movie. I think it wasn't until um, we were hanging with some friends um, 
Joey and Gina, and I think they mentioned this. We had the the topic had come up about like bad but fun movies, and I think Cutthroat Island was mentioned in that conversation. And prior to that conversation, also hi Joey and Gina, if you happen to listen to this, um, I had never heard of this. That's amazing. You had and, never heard of it at all. No. I had no idea it existed, and until tonight, I had no idea what it was about, apart from the fact that it stars Gina Davis, and it's about pirates. There you go. That is my history with this movie. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I remember growing up, I'd never never seen this movie before. I had heard about it for years. I believe that, uh, uh, Gabe, if you're listening, hi Gabe, uh, you'll be on one of our episodes soon enough. But I remember uh, my best friend growing up, Gabe, always talked about this movie growing up. And we just, we never watched it. But I remember, like, hearing more about it. And as I got older, reading about it. And the only thing I ever knew about this movie was that it was a renowned box office flop. And that it was one of the greatest examples for years of pirate movies being box office poison. This was one of many pirate movies that came out in the years that were just massive massive budget expenditures cost tons of money to make that did not make any money back so it was considered don't make a pirate movie it will never make money of course this would change years later with the advent of the pirates of the caribbean films and you know we are what we are today with that you mean cutthroat island the revamp and we will get into (laughs) that absolutely Um, so that was my history with it. I'd never seen it either. I, I, I knew some of the basic details. I figured it's a pirate movie. It's Gina Davis. Cool, 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 whatever. Had never seen it until tonight. But now we have. And now that we have, um, we could go through the whole movie, but that will take an entire episode. So instead, we We're are going to do... We're trying to keep do... this on the shorter side. Exactly. We're trying to keep this nice and fun and quick. So we... So... I'm sorry, did you want to describe this? Uh, Yeah, so we're um, going to borrow a plot recap method from our dear friends over at Booklandia. Um, Thank you for letting us steal this. Steal it? We did ask for permission. It's not stealing if you ask. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I suppose we're borrowing this uh, from our friends over at Booklandia. We're commandeering this, as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially, uh, in this case, James has written a recap and I have 30 seconds in which to read the plot recap of Cutthroat Island. I have not seen what he has written. Now, and, um, I, I suppose... I wrote should... up this recap right after the movie finished, after a beer and a little bit of rum, and I did not go back and edit it. Perfect. So that's where we're at. Um, I suppose the timer should go on my phone since the recap is on your phone. That's fair. And we are starting now. Pirate Lady tries to save Pirate Dad from Pirate Uncle. She scalps Pirate Dad for a pirate map, frees a thief, and seeks treasure. Meanwhile, Pirate Uncle is tracking her down. Also, Royal Navy. Uh, After multiple shenanigans ensue, the mythical Cutthroat Island is found. Double crosses buried treasure. It all ends with a sea battle. Pirate Lady blows away Pirate Uncle with a cannon. Bad dog and the good guys? Question mark. Win. And Pirate Lady and Thief are in love. Let's sail on to the sequels. Hey. Wow, that was so close. Um, if Woof. you could, I congratulations if you made any sense at all of of that. Um, but that that's a good <laughs> recap. Pretty solid, right? <laughs> yeah, that's your recap of the movie. If you want to know more about what happens in the movie, go watch the movie. That's all we have to say about that. Um, yeah. So now that we've gotten through that, 
Let's start off with Nicole. What were your individual thoughts on what you liked and didn't like about this movie? I mean, just overall thoughts. This movie felt like Pirate's Dinner Adventure got the budget of a lifetime. (laughs) Like. (laughs) That's perfect. Oh my God. That's all I could keep. I have not seen Pirates Dinner Adventure, but I we really should go. We we should. We really I have, have seen Medieval Times, and it's just I imagine it's just the pirate equivalent of Medieval Times. They're literally next door to each other uh, down in Orange County, and uh, so much fun. Medieval Times is great. Um, on paper, this movie sounds like it would be the perfect movie for me. Yeah. On paper, you have, uh, you know, this lady pirate captain, Morgan Adams, played by Gina Davis, uh, who kicks a ton of ass. And what she does, like, in mm-hmm. the, she, she gets a ton of fight scenes and is the driving force of, of the film. It feels kind of, and by kind of, I mean very paint by numbers. It's like, these are stock characters and... It hits those beats without a lot of the heart or the humor. There's a lot of unintentional humor. I will say my favorite part of this movie is Frank Langella as the baddie who is so deliciously, delectably evil. He, if everyone in the movie was on the Mm -hmm. same level as Frank Langella, this would be a masterpiece. Absolutely. (laughs) But they're not. You have a lot of... Uh, a lot of people who are like, I, you are just so American. You are so American in yeah, this very period piece. Some people just like don't even try an accent. No, it's incredible. you have Gina Davis and store brand Carrie Elwes, and <laughs> poor Matthew Modine. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew Modine. And it's like, oh, this is just, this is just Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, except they did it way better. Mm-hmm. You even have, mm-hmm. you know, Matthew Modine plays a character named William. Like, he's even trapped in a sinking ship at the end <laughs> that is about to explode. It Like, almost beat for beat, and, like, sometimes certain shots are, like, the, the, the creative team and the powers that be behind Curse of the Black Pearl knew that no one went to go see this, so they knew, like, oh, we can just take this. And not even just that first one, but, like, it's all the beats of the first one, plus, like, even, like, the Royal Navy teaming up with pirates. I'm like... This happens in the shitty sequels, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, it's like they knew. If you ever wanted to watch the first three Pirates movie as one pirate dinner adventure movie, this is the movie for you. Yeah. Um. But, okay. Frank Langella, uh, Chef's Kiss. Mm. Perfect. You Mm-mm. you understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like you're going to talk about some of the side characters, which we also really liked and who didn't really get a lot to do. But sure, I, w- yeah. I will leave that to you. There's also... Even when the action sequences border on the absurd, which is quite frequently, they are always very fun and entertaining to watch. I do think that the action sequences are very entertaining in this. And specifically the final battle between like the two ships like boarding each other, that's really, really well done. And also takes a a shockingly brutal turn in a couple of moments where it's like, this was, we were here for, for hijinks and now people are getting their skulls crushed in the ship's wheel. And let the spinning wheel spin. They also really like to, 
explode well just explode things in general but also explode dead bodies specifically they really like to have people's remains just go boom i wanted to like this like we neither of us had ever seen it as we said and i went in trying to have an open mind of like maybe it just like came out at the wrong time maybe it just didn't find its audience you know there are so many reasons why a movie can you know not find financial success when it's first released in theaters it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's a yes. I'm sorry, but yes. Uh no, I that that kind of encapsulates my feelings about this of like I wanted to like it so mm. bad and there's parts of it that I'm like I should be more invested in this. I should be more excited about what's happening and I'm just mm-hmm. not it no one was in the same movie. That's a great point. Yeah. I turn it over to you. Yeah, this movie's a goddamn mess. <laughs> It is a goddamn mess, sometimes in a good way, mostly often in a bad way. Uh, but like you, I went into this with an open mind. I love these kind of swashbuckling adventure movies. If you've listened to the show before, you know how big a fan we both are of these kinds of movies. And I kept thinking about a movie that would come out only a few years after this that would take a lot of these formulas and do it so much better. I'm not talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm talking about The Mask of Zorro. You want to talk about a swashbuckling film Mm -hmm. that has humor and heart and great fight sequences and something we can easily follow. That hit all of the... In everything that that film succeeds at, this movie tries and fails at most of them. That being said, it is an ambitious film. And it is an ambitious film taking on a subject matter that was considered like no one is going to want to see that. So I give them so much credit for trying for that absolutely yes I, um, I agree the overall execution and i will say in terms of the action sequences the final the final sequence like you said up, up when the ships are attacking each other fantastic really well done even with the dark really dark turns it takes i was digging it and i was like this is kind of a taste of like what pirates of the caribbean would have been like if it had been not by disney because, mm-hmm. like, in this, you see the dead bodies, you see the blood, you see the gore, like, a little bit more. So it's like, they can't show you quite that much in Pirates of the Caribbean, but I was like, oh, that's an interesting theory right there of what this would have been like. That being said, for my money, the action sequences up to this point had their moments, had some really fun moments in there. But overall, we're, like, shot and edited in such a weird, quick way where you, we, we didn't know where we were, what was going on. And you got no sense of the kinetic action of the scene. And it just, just it was just kind of a mess of like, burp, 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 burp. it was like watching, it's like watching a movie from like the late 2000s that was trying to be one of the Bourne movies. And it's just like action sequences of a shaky cam where it's just, blah, 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 everything's shaking around. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like there's a fight going on. Cool. I have no idea who's fighting who, what's going on. So even that like at times felt so forced, the the stunt work in this is truly a marvel and i don't mean that in the good way now i'm not a stunt person i'm not qualified to speak on this but it was interesting noting that vic armstrong was the stunt coordinator on this and famous stunt person uh worked on the indiana jones movies all of that like incredible like a living legend in that sense i was shocked to see his name attached to this and then i looked up apparently most of the actors were required to do their own stunts in this and you can tell but also like good for them good good (laughs) Good for them for trying good good for them for trying hey it's not their fault they did their best like i don't fault the actors at all on that 
I do fault the production in that this is why you hire stunt people. They know how to do this and make it look good. All of their budget went to explosions, though. Oh, we'll get to that budget. Oh, you just wait. Also, can I... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, no, no. no. um, With one exception, this movie's cast is blindingly white oh yes the the idea of like oh only seeing you know black and brown bodies in roles of like servitude is is a problem that it still persists today in hollywood but like there's a fucking slave auction and it's a white dude it's in jamaica you don't even see like native i i don't know the oh fuck i don't even want to get into this of just like the greater political and you know economic things of like was the slave trade established during this, this time this movie is not worthy of no that it's not but it's just like you have uh morgan adams is the the character name of gina davis's character uh, who is the captain of the ship and her second in command is uh is a black man um, but and he's great. Like, Stan, yeah. uh, Stan Shaw, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. But, like, he's literally the only person of color. Like, mm-hmm. not even any of the, like, mm-hmm. none of the rest of her crew. Mm-hmm. None of the extras. Mm-hmm. No one. Mm-hmm. No one. Mm-hmm. Nobody. It mm-hmm. is so white. <laughs> All very true. And to go back to the performances on that, uh, I did want to bring up some things, like we said Matthew Modine is a fantastic actor, has done some really great stuff. He was one of the leads in Full Metal Jacket. Incredible in that. He is the lead antagonist in season one of Stranger Things. He's great in that. Not his fault, just they tried to make him into a discount carry always in this, and it just does not work. It doesn't work. It's not fun. And a lot of that does go back to a little behind-the-scenes thing here. So Rennie Harlan directed this movie. Uh, and it starred his wife at the time, Gina Davis. Now, we all know Gina Davis. We know the stuff that Gina Davis has done. And, like, I like Gina Davis. I like Gina Davis in a lot of stuff that I've seen her do. In fact, I like her in things that I've seen Rennie Harlan direct that's not this movie. And I was sitting there the whole time wanting to really like this character so much. She's not good. She's not good in this movie. And it pained me to realize that. Like, watching it, I was like, this is just... It's and it's once again, maybe it's not her fault. It might just be a miscasting of it's like, you know, pirate like like pirate captain person that you're playing here. Maybe that's just not your role. I feel like because I had the same thought about her and Matthew Modine, they're both too modern. They're very modern. Yes. So many people in this movie have very modern faces. Not even even, not even their faces, just how they speak and how they carry themselves. It's so the scope of this movie, if we're like kind of backing out a little bit, the scope of this movie is so grand and so sweeping. It's a swashbuckling mm-hmm. film. And I feel like Gina Davis and the the rest of the folks who are like, you're from, like, you aren't even pretending to not be from the 90s. There is a kind of a flatness and a straightforwardness to which they played the character which does not lend itself for this type of film which is why in comparison frank langella like knew the movie that he was in and Mm -hmm. there is a a grandness and a heightened nature to it where it's like you're playing it as if you're in like a close-up all the time 
mm-hmm. even on these big sweeping shots, like in the middle of a battle, you gotta but, give it some oomph. But but even in and even in that, like what I said about the faces came from the fact that like so many of like the extras in this who they put in costumes, just the way they like pop on screen, I was like. That's some dude you found on the street, you stuck a fake beard on and a costume, because none of these guys look like they're of that era. They all look too modern, and it goes for the leads as well. everyone is too clean. It really just, and it honestly makes the movie look a little cheap, which is ironic. Yeah. Once again, we'll get to the budget in a second, but yeah, and so you have all of that in your leads. Now, and like you said, I did want to bring up, I think uh, you've got Stan Shaw as the second in, com- or second in command, I think does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the quartermaster, who I think is like, you know, the kind of the strong, silent type. He's got a lot of cool stuff he's doing. Uh, obviously, Frank Langella, it's his movie. It's his movie. We're all just living in it. And he just, he runs with it and does great stuff. The guy who plays the head of the Royal Navy is just preening and is an ultimate, like, you know, I'm you know i'm cutler beckett sort of like thing that he's doing (laughs) and he's just enjoying it you have trotter who's the second in command in the royal navy who's like the kind of young like like he's a little clueless but like wants to go up in the world and the way the movie sets him up is like oh he's gonna be the main guy who's following them and maybe he'll have a change of heart we forget about him for most of the movie he comes on at the end and he does have a change of heart but it's like there's something missing here. I love this character and the actor doing it does such a great job with it that I was like, I want to see more of this guy and his, he clearly has conflicts. I want more of this character. Yeah. So you get get a lot of really fun stuff from like supporting characters that get uh, nothing to do. Charter gets the most like, it's really rushed at the end, but he gets, I think, the most satisfying arc. Oh, like, absolutely. He turns to piracy because it's like, well, there's no mm-hmm. future for me in the Royal Navy and like, good for you, mm-hmm. Trotter. And the, and the only reason I brought up the whole Gina Davis thing as well is that I just kept thinking about there was another movie came out around this time that Rennie Harlan directed while he and Gina Davis were still together. And it's called The Long Kiss Goodnight for any of you that have seen it. It's a modern piece, much more kind of a crime thriller uh, assassination kind of thing that they're going with on there. And Gina Davis plays someone with amnesia who has like later discovers she has another part of her personality that she shut off, which is this badass assassin. This is the first thing I saw Gina Davis do where I saw her play a character like that. And I was like, Gina Davis can play a badass assassin. Absolutely. This is great. It's shot incredibly. It's edited beautifully. It's honestly a really great movie. I really enjoyed it. Like, it's very silly and tongue-in-cheek at times, but it's like, it's a good time action film. Also, Samuel L. Jackson is in that and has an amazing part. But... Watching that, I was like, yeah, I mean, I've seen Gina Davis. She can do action. She can do action when Rennie Harlan is directing it. So I had a lot of hope. And watching this, I was like, wow, no, this is whatever worked there is not working here. The movie, I feel like just the nature of the story that they're telling, which is essentially the plot of Curse of the Black Pearl, just without the army of undead. There's... There has to be, like, a twinkle in the eye of all of the actors. Like, there, there is... I feel like half of the cast was playing it realism or was trying to do that kind of subtle wink to the audience and was just failing miserably. And some of the other cast, like, more of the supporting cast, did better at it. Some people are trying to... Or just not as comfortable at being in that type of film. 
mm-hmm. where you, you got ha- you, have you gotta thro- be willing to let loose. You, you have, gotta go ham. Yeah, you have thrown realism out the window. Mm-hmm. So don't try for but that. It, but it's even like what Jeffrey Rush does in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's why he stands out amongst mm-hmm. so many other actors is that he came in like, I know the movie I'm in and I'm gonna fucking go for it. Yeah, exactly. Also, this movie should have been called Bitch Stole My Map. <laughs> which I believe is almost verbatim a line that Franklin Jones Yeah, I, I do think it is that bitch stole my map, but you really just hear bitch stole my map. <laughs> Watch this movie, just hear Frank Angela leap out of his tent and go, bitch stole my map. That and bad dog. <laughs> bad dog blowing. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I can't even. Yeah. So, Frank Langella has also, lines in this that I feel he just said on set because he was so frustrated. I'm like, yeah, who am I going to kill first? I, like, yep. I also feel like the script did not lend itself to perhaps being easy to get around. Which we will also get to. Some of the dialogue, and by some I mean quite a bit of Mm -hmm. the dialogue, is if it was delivered with that kind of knowing wink and that kind of Mm -hmm. vibe, then I think it would have worked better. So, but it wasn't. So this leads me into my next question of uh, of this episode is, does it deserve to be a flop, Nicole? I don't... Yes, but I don't think it deserves... I don't know the exact number uh, or, like, box office numbers. I don't think it deserves to be the extreme flop that it is because there are much dumber movies that mm-hmm. have made way more money than this and have been commercial successes and I don't think that's fair. This is far from being the worst movie ever made. No, Absolutely. I I was certainly entertained mm-hmm. by this movie and I have watched movies that have not entertained me and have been uh, much more financially successful. So I I don't think it deserves to be the complete bomb. Mhm. That I know that it is, even though I don't know the exact numbers involved. I agree. I don't think it deserves to be as much of a flop as it is. And I don't think that's the fault of the actors or of what anyone's trying to do on the movie. I think that's all very earnest. You can see it on the screen. It's a mess. They're trying their best. I think that a lot of that is due to the things that were out of their control, which necessitated it being the flop that it is. Which I'm going to get to right now. Of you're probably wondering, like, well, what did they do? Like, what's the problem? Like, they, like if it's not their fault, then why was it such a flop? Well, I'll tell you all right now. Okay, so, <clears throat> first of all, I just want to let you know, this film in 1994, whenever it was shot, was originally slated to be about a $60 million budget, which in the mid-90s is, like, fairly large, but, like, okay, makes sense for like a period given, piece yeah. and also given like the amount of action you need to, not one but two pirate ships you got to yeah. do a battle at sea so 60 million seems like a pretty reasonable number right yeah okay so due to things we'll talk about later uh various reshoots rewrites so many fucking problems on this movie that led it to getting delayed and like moved around with everything this movie's budget ballooned to 98 million in 1995 okay so we have that number in our heads right now everyone okay yikes okay this movie opened in the u.s making just over two million is that total for the for the domestic opening yes 
Now, the overall domestic gross was about $10 million. The, the worldwide gross, we took in the international gross, bumped that up to $18.5 million. Meaning that the total net loss of all of this, this is not including any marketing and things we don't know about, was about $97 million. Hi, this is your host, James Ferrero, here with an updated numbers report for the numbers for Cutthroat Island for What a Movie. Contrary to what you're hearing on this podcast, the reported budget on this movie was actually $115 million, with a worldwide gross of $18.5 million. This would give it a loss in 1995 of $96.5 million, which when adjusted for inflation, gives you a $179 million loss as of 2022. Now back to the episode. This movie's budget spiraled out of control. At, completely out of control. So on a $60 million budget, it still would have flopped, but it would not have been the notorious flop that it has become. Now we could probably live with it being the flop that it was, but not whatever this was. Oh God, that... $90 million in 1995 money. That hurts. That hurts my soul. Now, for those of you wondering why, well, let's look into a couple of issues of why this found its way through here. This was produced through Kuroko Studios, the Kuroko production company, which went bankrupt after this movie came out. They were aggressively telling international markets this movie would be a surefire hit, right? $60 million budget, no problem. Shooting was delayed. Now, I'm pulling this from Wikipedia, for those of you wondering. I did not make this up. Uh, shooting was delayed for various reasons, allowing the budget to spiral out of control. Rennie Harlan, the director, fired the chief camera operator following a dispute. More than two dozen crew members also quit. In addition, broken pipes caused raw sewage to pour into the water tank where the actors were supposed to swim. Harlan spent $1 million of his own money to rewrite the script. And, and, and Carolco Carolco was in so much debt, they could not afford to pay any further. Also, the first weekend into, into making the film, the film's original cinematographer, Oliver Wood, like we noticed in the credits, fell off a crane and into one of the water tanks and broke his leg. <laughs> and was replaced by another cinematographer. They also shot a lot That's of Malta why he got in a Thailand. Special credit. Because the... he broke his fucking leg Good in the God. first week. So, and you had the actors doing their own stunts, which as we talked about, led to varying success with all of that. All this to say, with all of that, this caused the budget to spiral out of control. And I'm sure there's many more reasons that we don't know about or that I did not cover. But It was that, a shit, shit show is what you're saying. <laughs> also, the critics were not kind to it. The critics trashed it. Nobody turned up to see it. And it already had a way over-the-top budget. Almost $100 million in the mid-90s to make this movie. That's and so I'm, much money. And I'm sorry, I'm watching this movie right now. It does not look like it cost over $100 million to make. It looks no. like a B-movie. It, it does not like, look like it cost that much to make. It looks like Pirate's Dinner Adventure. So that's God. what you get when a you budget. have... A pirate's dinner adventure with an inflated budget that is not showing it on screen and no one shows up to see it. I don't know. I It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so on that note of it being fine, do you recommend this movie? I think if you go in 
unlike us, knowing that it's going to be a movie to kind of rip on, it will be a fun time. We were definitely laughing a lot throughout it at moments that were not supposed to be funny. I was entertained for, for most of it. There are, there were some points where we had to pause it to like get up and like grab a drink or go to the bathroom. And it's like, how do we still have X number of minutes left in this? Um, but I, I think it's, it's so bonkers. I think it's worth watching. <laughs> if you're a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and you want to see a B-movie pirate standard adventure version of the first three movies, go check out this movie because you'll probably have a blast with it. Uh, you get some actors that clearly know the movie they're in. They're having a great time. And like we said, the final sequence is very fun and both thrilling and stupid and silly. And it's a, it's a grand old time. If you're not in any of those things, I can't see why you'd want to see it. Honestly, I gave this so much of the benefit of the doubt. I was so bored watching this movie <laughs> for about the first hour and a half. Until we got to that final battle, I was not invested in this. Like, I found myself getting distracted so much. And outside of a couple performances that lured me back in, it was really hard until, like, a fine final sequence made it worth it. So, if you're a fan of this kind of high seas swashbuckling adventure... Go see it. That's why I would say go see it. And if that, if you question that at all, do not waste your time. Yeah. You will not enjoy it. You will not enjoy it. Just don't go. And if you want to watch the good version of this movie, just watch Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Or go watch Mask of Zorro. If you don't want something exactly the same, but you want a swashbuckling adventure that maybe doesn't go quite as far as Pirates in terms of like CG and the undead and all that. If you want just a good old-fashioned swashbuckling adventure... Check out that or Princess Bride or something like that. But like this, this is not, this is the movie to put on when you're really drunk with your pirate loving friends. I'm looking at a few of you, you know who I'm talking about and have yourselves a blast because it is so dumb. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't know how else to describe yeah, it. Yeah. I, it did remind me a little of the Princess Bride only in like, I think it was trying to do and did not succeed at, or maybe it was just because we had store brand Carrie Elwes. It's Princess Bride if it had no self-awareness. Yeah. That's the thing. There's a lack of self-awareness mm -hmm. in this movie that is where that kind of disconnect lies. So, like I said, for the mass populace of you, I can't recommend this movie. I really wish I could, but 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 I can't. Those of you who know you who you are, you've probably already seen it. So, you know, you know what's up. But so that's those it. are our recommendations or, or lack thereof, very tempered. Um, you probably <laughs> noticed this is a shorter episode, and that's the whole point. We're trying to keep this a bit shorter than what we usually do, and that's what the purpose of Flick Flops is. And we're going to be having more Flick Flops coming to you in the future. We really hope you enjoyed this, uh, this deep dive of an episode, as yes, it were. Yes, I think we're aiming to do one of these per month, mm -hmm. I think was what we had discussed. And we've got plenty more coming up. And yes. for those of you wondering, the mysterious movie that I keep saying has become the most renowned flop now ahead of this, well, I'm not going to tell you right now, because <laughs> you have to keep listening, and then you'll find out. All right. But in the meantime, we have started with Cutthroat Island, and it's only going to go uphill from here? Maybe? Ugh, they said know. with confidence? It's a rough list. It's a rough list. But keep listening. You'll find out what that next one's going to be. <laughs> but until then, 
I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knudsen. And what, what a, a movie. movie. <laughs> How she's managed to have a career after saying that line is just marvelous. Good for you, Gina Davis.